What's going on? Everybody, you've got the cardboard coaches here with your boy, Coach Co. I am the cartel. I am late, but I'm here. Sure is. Um, we've got a jam-packed, fun episode today. Uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion and we encourage you to participate in the discussion by jumping either in the comment section or uh, you know, sharing this with another individual because there are a lot of things on today's podcast that are up for debate. And it starts with perhaps something that I've seen downplayed but could very well shake the foundation of what we know about a very popular rookie card. And that is the 86 Michael Jordan Fleer rookie card. Nat Turner posted a tweet on Friday, I believe it was, where he said that PSA will now start grading the 84-85 star Michael Jordan rookie, which a lot of people have already, I mean, even before this, considered to be his rookie card because it's his first appearance on a card. Um, now, Beckett typically was the only one to grade this card in the past. Uh, and from my understanding, it's a lot has a lot to do with the the amount of fakes that are circulating. So I find this move particularly in, uh, interesting by PSA because, I mean, we've seen a lot of things kicked back in the last few weeks. Actually, there's a lot of, a lot of things unpacked here. So let's talk about first, why would you start grading a card that you know has copious amounts of fakes out there? Well, um, so, so you've got people caught off guard by it, and then you've got people who are like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. This makes sense given uh, the people, makes sense given the importance, the weight of this card. Um, I'm actually, uh, while I'm enjoying a, a bit of, uh, I'm, I'm having a, a variety of snacks here, Brendan, during the, during the Cardboard Coaches podcast, I'm treating it like a brunch. I'm also learning myself. A little bit um and it's funny because i was just coming into consciousness as a human being when the star cards were out there i remember them i remember seeing them at hobby shops i was just too little but um i remember them vividly i remember people collecting them talking about them and i remember the discussions about the fakes as well um these were these were cards that were distributed in sealed like plastic packages, the type that it's kind of like, like the upper deck promos that you get at your local hobby store. Um, what I'm reading about is um, just how they were distributed. I don't know if they were distributed at arenas. Do you have any insight on this? Have you learned about this in terms of where these poly bag cards were distributed? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just know that Ken Golden went out of his way to remind us that they weren't available uh, in packs that were, you know, sold. So like you couldn't pack, pull them. Uh, it was so, pretty standard practice to like, when you got one, you got one, you know what I mean? 
So what I'm reading about was, so they were distributed as team sets and otherwise, and there were some master distributors in the United States, in the Midwest and various Southern states, uh, distributed through sports card magazines at sporting events, including minor league baseball and hockey games. Imagine picking up some Gretzky cards and Jordan cards at the same event. It's crazy. And so, and I do recall them being sold on the uh, home shopping network late night or offered in various deals, you know, via the Don West, Ken Golden sales. They have those cards. Yeah, that we touched upon last week. You got to wonder, were those the real cards? Because at some point, someone, someone started making these cards. Uh, the Michael Jordan hype was already there. Someone was already starting to get on making these cards and something about them made them easy to reproduce. You realize it was 1990 when Upper Deck started introducing the technology, sorry, 1989, that made it much more difficult and dissuaded people from even trying uh, with the hologram technology, with the type of cardboard stock. But something about these cards made them very easy to replicate. And PSA made that move, I don't know how long ago. I, I mean, did they ever grade a star card? I don't think so. So they made that move from their inception. Whereas Beckett felt it was A-OK -okay for whatever reason. Um, and then you see companies do that sometimes. You saw that HGA was so scared of repeating the errors that they made with key cards like a Wayne Gretzky rookie card, which I believe a lot of, I wouldn't say the average hockey card collector, but a lot of hockey card collectors could do a great job identifying a fake Gretzky and they're not getting paid and they're not sitting in a room grading cards. So, I mean, and that was funny. That was HGA basically waving the white flag saying, we don't know what we're doing because they were incompetent from the, the beginning. They were run by incompetent people. It's an incompetent company. I can only talk about it so much. We already know this at this point when it comes to hybrid grading approach. Now, hybrid grading approach was one of the companies that talked a lot of ish about uh, having uh, technology patented technology that they never really fully explained or showed us or showed us uh that wasn't able to identify a fake wayne gretzky card um or uh, you know, you know to this to this day people still quote the ai grading software in my comment section and i'm like yeah. what like at what point do we just what a legacy like do we just company. do we just think that AI was like someone scanning a card and putting that like I mean it is I guess artificial intelligence if you put it on a computer right like I don't you know it. you know I don't it's know <laughs> I can email it to you as a JPEG um right so why do you start grading these cards why do you why to make money in a hot market. Um, but uh, what I was trying to get at is PSA now has gentlemen. We were never really notified at what point they started using it. People talk about it as if they are using it right now. My understanding was the main point there was to catalog a card. So it's not repeatedly being sent in and getting different grades, but we know through many, many Instagram feeds. What's the most popular one, uh, Brendan is uh the cracked chronicles yeah that it's happening all the time regrading is happening all the time so are they using gentlemen what are they doing with gentlemen what is gentlemen do we ask any of the right questions around here i don't know are we just lazy 
People are getting it, cards kicked back that are packed fresh, man. Like, is it, is it that in two, three days we forget what's going on? It's, uh, I can't imagine the amount of cards that are going to get kicked back from this. The amount of like people that are going to get charged without an actual grade being established to a card, like to a star Jordan. Yeah. We need like, to make it clear. There are people with bags of these things. Someone was in my comment section saying they had 150 of them, bro. There's no way the 150 of them are, are real. There's just Could no be. way. There's a chance. Because remember, they made a lot of these cards. Okay, but and even if they are real, what's to say that they don't kick them back just just at, just You're because right. it's it's too close? Do you know what You're I mean? Right. Like, Who's to, to say someone's dad didn't wasn't friends with someone else's dad who picked up the box that was going to be distributed at a local minor league game and just shoved it in his garage? They found it. Now, the next step is you're saying, are they going to identify those as being real? That's how do they even know? How, how do they know what a real one is? I mean, even the Beckett ones, you know, like uh, uh, apparently some of them are fake that are slabbed. You know what I mean? So like, how do you, yes. how do you, where do you, where's your starting point here? Right. Do you know what right. I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm reading that Beckett be be began grading them in 2008, uh, 14 years ago. Um and uh hobbyists are now accepting the legitimacy and histor hi historicity is that a i'm on wikipedia is historicity <laughs> a word the legitimacy and historicity if historicity is a word i'm taking off with that but um wow that's new to me do the due in part to the increase of information about the catalog of original cards and the efforts of grading companies like BGS and wow, here's one for you, GAI, Global Authority Inc. GAI was a really hyped company back around that time. I don't think they grade anymore, um, but they were actually they were actually a well-received company at the time, GAI. I don't know who was behind it. Do your own Google research. But um, and then they quote some some big sales. Um, but. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a fascinating thing. It always has been. Why the timing right now? You can have all sorts of fun conspiracy theories about Nat and his buddies compiling these and getting ready for this. And it's not a crazy conspiracy theory because that is what those people do. That's what they do every day. They plot and scheme right along these lines as a group. And they have their influencer sector they have their industry sector, you know, that you got people on the ground and you got people in the, in the, in the boardroom uh, coming up with these schemes. That, that's real. There I'm not saying this one to, in particular. I mean, well, the minute a PSA 10 star Jordan drops, I, I'd be very curious to see what it sells for, bro. Like I'd be, especially because one of the most recent Jordan sales was like 200,000 for a PSA 10 Fleer. Right. And that's, so down, is, that's down considerably from its $750,000 all-time high. So what happens to the FLIR? And uh, who was it? Was it Gary Vee saying that it would hit a million? Million, yeah. And was it um, Mealy Pops who said the Charizard would hit a million? We have a lot of prognosticators who suck at what they do in this hobby, quote unquote. The thing is, though, if you make a, if you make a, a call like that, I mean, you could just wait like three decades and then be like, yo, even though a million dollars isn't what a million dollars was today, you know, gas these days is now $47 a liter, but, but, 
but it is a million dollar card now. You know, I don't, I mean, yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens to the Fleer card. Yes. Which is so iconic. It, it is almost symbolic of the hobby. When I, when I owned one, spent a lot of time staring at it. It's a little piece of history. And then what happens, how this, how the star card is embraced. Um, I would also, I mean, I wouldn't mind doing some digging. Are there other rookie cards that are affected by this? Are there, are there other extended rookie cards in the star set of players that debuted in the 86 Fleer set? There probably are. I don't, I don't, I haven't done enough research. For some reason, I want to say Charles Barkley. I I could be completely wrong. though. I I know that I saw someone post a ton of Charles Barkley and I was like, what is the relevance here? Barkley's a big name. That's a big deal. Yeah, um, I, I'm gonna have to double check that and then drop that in the comment section. But I, I, I want to say yes. Um, it's just uh, the whole thing was really. It felt like it was out of left field, and as you mentioned, I'm sure it's not. But um, to have something like this so tumultuous during a time in which like people are stepping away from the hobby, I think is actually super ironic, because now all of a sudden people who might have been ready to dip might might have you know three or four of these star michael jordans in their basement or in their old shoe boxes and now all over again people are digging up all old cards they're rummaging through old sets they're sending stuff in for grading i know that i mean i've talked to a lot of people who have definitely like kind of tapered back on sending the grading specifically to psa um and now all of a sudden i think that changes and now with the new value level submissions Man, thirty dollars to send in a, a star Jordan. How right. many? How many star Jordans are going to be sent in, bro? Like, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, and I don't know what the distribution was like. Like we mentioned, but like, would it be crazy to think that thirty thousand star Jordans get sent in over the course of the next what eight months? All of a sudden, you know, yeah. like it's uh, and now now you've created a brand new market and you've created some. Uh, some tension, which is going to result in a passionate collector on one side and a passionate collector on the other, usually dependent on, on what that person owns, ironically enough. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, um, and now all of a sudden, like it, it's, uh, it's relevant again. Right. And not to say that sports cards, whoever are not relevant, but I think it becomes more relevant. It becomes, there's, I mean, there's now we're talking about, you know, a new, a new section of the hobby that we weren't talking about before. Um, and perhaps that's to not discuss some other stuff. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm also reading here, you know, talking about global authenticated is probably going to be interesting for a later podcast. I'm going to do some reading up because I never, I never bothered to follow up with what happened with this company. Uh, you probably don't recall them. They were around briefly, but they were around, like I mentioned, they were taken pretty seriously. And I'm reading about how, so one of the big things GAI popularized at the time was grading packs. Um, They were kind of ahead of PSA in terms of people's willingness to go and do that sort of thing. And apparently they graded the 8485 team set itself in the poly bag. So they put them in in a slab. And back in 2017, there were a couple of sales at GAI 9, and they were on a 0.5 scale as well, like Beckett. Yeah. Went for 52,000. Really? And an 8.5 went for 39,000. And this was back in 2017. Yeah. I mean, those are big sales. 
so those were so you know so it was it was popular and it was um it was in the hobby conscious right to uh to be looking for the star uh for the star rookie cards i don't know if i just disappeared there or what no no you're um and uh yeah that this is leading me to take a look at what whatever happened at gai so funny i mean people talk about these new grading companies that we've experienced over the last few years but this has been going on for a long time gai the final authority i mean we've we've seen this whole routine we've, it's just that there's so many more eyes on it now at this point um but yeah someone is uh someone is standing to make a lot of money potentially when this is all said and done i mean 100 psa and it's just a matter of who else it muddies the waters a little bit for sure it has people talking about the 51 and 52 mantle that, yes that's, that's already yes yeah I mean, it's, it's been done to death. The 51 is the 51 Bowman is a rookie, but the 52 tops is the preferred card because yeah. it's the Mona Lisa. It looks beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I think the 51 Bowman looks beautiful too. Me too. Uh, Me too. Yeah. But okay. We get it. There's a whole story about a ton of them sinking to the bottom of the sea. There's, there's a whole thing. And, and that I like that because that is getting past it's letting a little bit of human emotion get involved beyond just the hard. This is a this is the rookie card, and this is this, and you got because go. this came out first, and it was selected naturally by hobbyists and by investors. It was selected naturally. Uh, we've talked about the Kobe drifting from the finest to the chrome. Yeah, in terms of preference. Okay, I think that's I think that's great. I I can't think of any. You know, I, I can't imagine, I mean, you never know what might happen, but like in hockey, no one's going to start preferring platinum autographs over future watch or anything like that. No. We don't think anything like that's going to happen. We're pretty set in our ways. Imagine, uh, imagine like a young gun going over to like Opeechee, just like a straight up, like, like regular Opeechee. Like an Opeechee marquee rookies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Suddenly yeah. becomes really popular. Hey, yeah. who's to say? I mean, you never know. But that's, a, that's also, I mean, that's a company establishing, uh, you know, Young Guns. They're establishing the line. They're establishing the brand. Back before this was going on, I mean, you want to talk about, now we've got young people, I call them young people, asking about XRCs, which yes. have been in Beckett for decades. Yeah. Extended rookie cards are those rookie cards. Is, is, a, is a Roger Clemens rookie card the 1985 Topps card or the 1984 Fleer update? Most people go for the Fleer update. Yeah. And that's the extended rookie card. Um, and the reason why it's extended rookie card is it was released late season directly through distributors, directly through hobby shops. You're not opening packs to get that Clemens. It's in that set. They make a certain amount. I mean, I always thought that was a, that was an early version of a hobby. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's, a, it's, it's not nefarious, but it's, it was like a hobby. It was a bit, not, not a scam, but it was a really easy way for everybody to make some money. Yeah. Clear, distributor, um, they sell out. And I, they always had them. Like the shops always had them, but the price would just always go up. And Beckett would hype it. By the way, let's not forget Beckett Magazine itself was the source of quote unquote pump pumps and dumps yeah. and hype and false hype 
that was the magazine of the hobby. We read that. And if they said, get this right now, we wanted to get that right now. They had their top 10 hot list. And that was the Bible. And then you run over and you're like, well, hey, that's, that's, that's what comps were, right? Like that's right. You run over to grab your set of 84 Fleer update. They're like, oh, you know, we're almost sold out. It was $250 last week. It's 300. And these are, these are numbers back in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. That's significant. So I never owned an 84 Fleer up. I had to be happy with my 85 tops. And by the way, I was very happy with it. Cool looking card, memorable design that to this day, they put in, you know, their sets, their retro sets. Yeah. And so for me and my buddies, that was the card and it was etched into our memory, the rookie card. Beckett called it a rookie card, but there was always that XRC, right? That we really, we would dream about. Yeah. It was so unattainable, we forgot about it. Um, so XRCs have been a thing for a long time, but the mantle teaches us there's not this rigid rule where it has to be the first card that, that was released, right? So it, it definitely makes things interesting. I mean, as well for the mantle, you talked about the Kobe and how that shifted and like, you just never know. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm obviously there's a ton of money that's put into the mantle and a ton of money that's put into the Jordan. Um, so they're kind of, they're very much unlike the Kobe because I mean, before 2020, uh, there were never really gigantic like Kobe, Kobe Bowman's, uh, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. It really, really, really does set the tone moving forward. Um, you know, at the very least for dialogue, you know, so if, if we're going to take one positive thing from this, is that like, you can just collect which version you like, you know what I mean? Like, and you could argue your point based on whether it's design, whether it's because you own one, whether, you know, one's made you profitable, one hasn't, maybe one of them, stands out to you as one that you've always desired, but could never obtain, you know what I mean? So like, I think that's one positive spin on this where, you know, hobby interaction is great. Um, being able to have these conversations and things not being so black and white is yep. also great. I think it's pretty cool that a lot of people who couldn't afford a Fleer, you know, uh, automatically were like gifted a Michael Jordan rookie by you know maybe owning one of the stars that was affordable do you know what i mean so i think yeah. that aspect is super cool as well some I mean, guys aside, are gonna want some guys are gonna want both also true right next to each other just in case they hedge their bets you know what i mean right. like i mean if you're gonna if, if let's say in 20 years from now all of a sudden the the 84 85 stars is, is the one like now i have both because things do flip-flop over the years right so I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, I find another point, or I don't find, but another instance that I think we should talk about that happened over this weekend is the fact that, and it's going to also create a little bit of conversation, is the fact that Logan Paul signed with the WWE. Now, right. You know, we're not on here to talk about influencers or YouTubers or whatever, but I think this is relevant. I really do. Um, because I would assume, especially Panini being as money hungry as they are, um, that they cannot wait 
to put this man on a sports car. Um, because it gets really interesting when the guy who's on the card starts calling out his bounty. Because I can almost guarantee you that there will be a Logan Paul, if not him, someone part of his posse. You know, he owns a fractional ownership company or he owns a fractional um, liquid marketplace where they fractionalize cards and create NFTs from them. You know, it's, it's not unheard of or uh, unimaginable to think that someone associated with him, if not him himself, is going to put an astronomical bounty on the one of one or one of one autograph of this prism wwe logan paul card and um again i mean we're talking about something that is might might shake the complexion of the hobby you know like and obviously there are going to be people who don't pay attention to it much like the triple the triple logo man lebron james but it's also going to create a ton of hype for a product for a moment in time. And I think moving forward in the hobby, we might just see more and more of these things happen, not necessarily with like an influencer, but like more moments in time created through hype. You know, like we had that boom in 2020, right? Where like, it's like the pandemic boom that everyone will associate with. Then we had like the logo man hype. And like, I feel like now it's just going to be segmented based on whatever flavor of the month and perfect storm happens with, with, you know, your, your local influencer or, or person with, with a big media presence. Yeah. You blew my mind when you connected the dots um, with this, the WWE signing and then how that would affect Panini cards. I also had a weird thought in the back of my mind, uh, given the people that Logan Paul knows when you think about exclusivity, and companies that sign people for exclusivity, you got to wonder, is there a direct correlation? If Panini has the, if Panini has the WWE license, is there an automatic correlation across contracts? Or can Logan Paul hook up with fanatics ahead of time and cut Panini out of it? This is the thought I had. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of sidetracking here. But I mean, that's interesting. I, I think that's interesting. Because you got to think like, Panini, Panini would be like, oh, this is fantastic. This is a great way to spend our uh, in-between time. Whereas Fanatics is drooling and they want a piece of that, but they have to wait, <clears throat> right? Uh, still a couple more years, three more years? Yeah, 2026, if I'm not mistaken. I thought it was 2025. Could be wrong. But, um, but yeah, that's that's absolutely, man, the, the Paul brothers. I got to say this, though. Is the steam not running out a little bit on the Paul brothers? His last, Jake Paul's last boxing match was not very well received. Uh, the second match with Woodley did not did not go well uh, sales wise. But you're talking about people... a guy who has like, let's say, 15, 15, between 15 and 30 million people at his. Yeah, disposal. I forget about the social media stuff. I know there's a podcast now, but again, in this in this um, in this landscape of podcasts, I don't think they're doing that great. There are so many celebrities doing quality podcasts now. But he's had that podcast forever, though. Like, do you know what I, I mean? I feel, like, I feel like the ones that have been put up on YouTube recently. Impulsive has been around for a long time. It has? I thought but, like, maybe they upgraded or something. Well over 100 episodes. Uh, um, 
but uh, I just I feel I feel like there, it's not it's probably not like a top five or top ten podcast, but nonetheless, but like, he has a YouTube channel with like fifteen million right. people. That, he's that, got I, an Instagram I, with like four million people. I you know what I mean? So, yeah, like he's also working with KSI, and like he's got another like thirty million. So like we're talking right. about, and again, this might be good for the sports car market to get exposure of like everyday people. What I think about is that John Morant, the one with Young Dolph. Okay, this card went from like. Three dollars. It was like a ten dollars or fifteen dollars. It was a card that you could find in in a, in a dollar bin at a show maybe six months ago. And someone tweeted about it. Someone with like I think it was eighty thousand followers. Really nothing huge. Tweeted about it. Said this card is iconic, beautiful card. Young Dolph in the background. They tweeted about it to everyday people, and that card shot up raw value to like three hundred bucks. Right now, that, imagine that, that on that drugs. Card two, that card had like two separate waves. Two separate of runs, but the most recent one was because of that tweet. Um, and I mean, just imagine that on steroids. Like everyone knows who he is, right? So, like, like random people. If if he says like, "Oh, this is the hottest, the hottest thing to buy," I'm on a sports card. Hypes that shit up. Yeah. I mean, we saw the NFT wave, right? Like people yeah. love gravitating towards new hype shit and yeah it's and so uh, easy to hype himself up you know yeah and, and you know what uh, you know what people should be aware of is the entry point that the wwe has become now yes um the right the, the same week they signed paul uh sorry yeah logan paul they signed valerie laredo who has a huge online following i don't know if you've heard of her i have heard of her because of her MMA experience. So she's had uh, three or four fights for Bellator MMA. She's a huge social media darling. 50% of her page is training and 50% of her page is her big old butt, which she loves showing off. Gratuitously, fortuitously, ginormously. And uh, she has capitalized by signing with the WWE, Uh, which by the way, a lot of people see that as an easier way out rather than uh, training for MMA. Yeah. But let me tell you something. They are going to be throwing their bodies around, both Logan Paul and Valerie Lareda. They will probably be on limited schedules, more so Logan Paul. But when you're not on a limited schedule, you are doing damaging things to your body. Make no mistake about it. It may not be the same danger initially as like an MMA fight, but um, it is some serious wear and tear. Logan Paul himself looked good in his debut at WrestleMania. A little stiff, but that's how it is. Yeah. Valerie Lareda, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know how she's going to take to it. The ultimate example of someone taking to wrestling out of nowhere is Kurt Angle. Yes. He just took right to it, former Olympic wrestler. Uh, they have Gable Steveson, uh, who has a bit of a checkered history, but they put some money into him. It's an entry point for pop culture and social media people. And that means they're going to have cards. And yeah, like, I don't know why I never thought of that. When you started talking to me with the Logan, Logan Paul stuff, I realized there's a ton of people out there who want to buy cards of Valerie Lareda. They want to buy all sorts of merchandise. She will now have prism color parallels and autographs. One of ones and gold yes, I mean, and WWE you know. shrewd like that. Uh, they've had uh, what the hell bad bunny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've had him out on WrestleMania. They are looking for stuff like that. And um, that's going to be interesting. And that will be a part of WWE 
Prism product yep. going forward. Did Fanatics take the WWE license or maybe they didn't? I don't think they did. You know what? Maybe Panini just has that long term. I don't think they did. Maybe Fanatics going to want it now. Probably possible. Want to add it to the roster and own everything. It's crazy. Absolutely nuts. The final thing I think I think we should talk about, and again, it's another point of discussion, is so today I saw that the there's a one of I mean a but the National Treasures Trevor Lawrence rookie patch autograph. It's a shield. Um, it was graded officially a BGS eight with a ten autograph. And now we're seeing the other side of the coin when it comes to the, let, let's say the triple LeBron James logo man, right? Where a lot of people were saying, oh, it looks ridiculous as authentic, you know, like I should have a grade on it. I mean, that one didn't have any autographs. Otherwise, I think the, the smartest thing to do in that scenario was to just grade the autograph. But in this case, the surface got a seven. I think it was a seven, either seven or seven. I think it was a seven. So the surface got a seven. Corners got like eight, five, the rest of it, nine, five. Ended up grading eight. And um, this is a scenario where, you know, what do you do with, I mean, obviously now we know it's an eight, but like, what is the reasonable course of action for that? Let's say you have it raw. Do you keep it raw? Do you grade it authentic with an auto? I know a lot of people are super divided about stuff like this. I actually like, I like the Beckett eight. Like, I mean, I don't like love the look of it, but like, I like that it's at least an eight. You know, I think if it was down to like a seven or a six, like I might've felt a little differently, specifically the six maybe. But even then, like I own PSA sixes and fives and fours. So, I mean, it really doesn't matter to me, especially when we're talking about a one-of-one. But um, I know a lot of people were divided about this. Um, yeah. Um... So, I mean, it's funny, coming from the, the, the cup collecting world, upper deck, the cup. Yeah. You're in this, like, especially a few years back before grading really blew up. You found yourself in this collecting sector where it was just, it was really all about just appreciating the card for what it is um, and trying to find it in the best shape possible with your own eyes, not, not with an unbiased quote unquote third party's recommendation. Yeah. With the full awareness that it was difficult, like, cause there was people pulling them out of the tins and then there's people buying them secondhand and you just, you grow an awareness to the fact that it's really hard to produce these 180, 180 point thickness cards and they're eight corners instead yeah. of four. And like you're seeing damage on the edge, like the thick edge. You're seeing damage on the foil surface. You're seeing damage to multiple corners of the eight corners. So really, you're there's looking even. The I mean, if there's like a patch, like there's like there's corners in that patch too, right? The like the edges. Right. And so the idea is, so you're looking for the best. So your eyes first do not gravitate. Look. If you have an average piece of cardboard, your eyes are gravitating towards centering the, the sharpness of the corners, the edges to our Spotify listeners. I'm holding a random 2022 Topps baseball card. The cup, um, you, your eyes are gravitating to the patch and the autograph. Yeah. First and foremost. 
And then that has its the, that has its own layers. Is is the autograph nice? Is it yeah. is the autograph encroaching on the window? Is the it, autograph off the card? Is it is it is there a break in the autograph? Right. Is the patch one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight colors? Is it a logo patch? Okay. Uh, you know, uh, there are some hardcore cup collectors who do not need more promotion from me on any level because um, they are living the life. They got the, the patches and the shields and um, they look for the best patch. They look for logo patches and that's fantastic. I love that sector of the hobby because there's a deep collecting element there. Yeah. There's a, and a deep, a deep appreciation. Now you're going to start grading these cards. And we started experimenting that with that myself, some other cup collectors, we found obviously very difficult to get grading um, to, to get good grades uh, inconsistencies. I told you the story of the John Tavares that bumped multiple grades. That was very disheartening because then you learn not only is it difficult to get a high grade, but then you learn it's also who you know and how you play your cards. And unfortunately, that's that's a thing now in the industry. I'm sure you saw my story yesterday as I was following up on the excellent commentary of Lameem James, who, by the way, anyone on Instagram, you got to follow Lameem James. You got to if you don't get the joke or you don't understand something, ask questions, learn about it. This guy has the, the, the smartest, funniest, and in, most incisive takes when it comes to, for example, the, what we started today with, with the star cards. And he had a scene from Scarface where they're counting the money. Yeah. And that's, and that's Nat Turner preparing yeah. for, for what's coming in. Yeah. Right? And like I said, people know people, their connections. Um, sometimes a card is graded questionably and you hold it in your hand, you ask the question, I know the answer. Um, so. So a lot of times in the cup collecting world, it's like, don't, you don't need to grade it. The card is still going to be in demand. The card will carry its weight based on the patch and the autograph, et cetera. Yeah. A one of one Trevor Lawrence is going to carry its weight based on being a one of one. There are plenty of people who wouldn't mind just slapping that into a, the venerable one touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It looks so good in a one touch. I like the, these young kids who like, uh, when they're watching a break and you hit any card that's worth over 20 bucks, like, why, why don't you put that in a one touch? And you know what? One touches are like $10. Now. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. they are. They literally they're are so expensive yeah. and they scratch easily. The one touch is no magic. By the way, don't ship in a one touch. I sometimes advertise a card in a one touch. And if I sell it, I, I let the buyer know, listen, just so you know, because I've had people in the past, like, you better send me that one touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I said, just, just so you know, I'm sending this card to you in a top loader because it's safe. It's the most secure way to do this. You do not want a loose card rummaging around. Now, I will sometimes take a cup card and just add another card to make it more secure because I know the cup collectors want to have it in a one touch. But otherwise, no, you should get your regular piece of cardboard and a top loader. That's the best way to ship it. I've and also had people just pop off in my comment section about shipping in mags, bro. About yeah. And I'm like, Man, I, well, I, I think it's pretty standard. Have you ever held a card in a mag? You move it around a little bit. It rattles around. Guess what you don't want to do? Ship it like that, you know? You do I don't not know. ship in a mag. I don't know. Don't. It's just me, though, right? Like, and, and it's just, I don't know. It's very simple, I think. Yes. So one of one, Trevor Lawrence, okay, this is the, this is the argument. This is the conversation. I'm open to the conversation. I'm very open-minded about it. I don't have like hardcore opinions and I'm willing to hear everyone out. So if someone's getting passionate or intense or rude about this, go fuck yourself, relax. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. You need to relax right now. This whole and, and I'm I'm assuming I'm assuming Brendan, we're gonna go from the concept of grading a one of one to the whole concept of PSA authentic, etc. We'll get there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, if you're having this conversation, relax. You really need to relax. Also, it's um, not your card. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. so you don't even need to get that worked up about it. Chances are, if you are getting super worked up about it, you'll never own it anyway. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, the, the the people getting so super worked out about uh, worked up about it. Uh, the problem is, and and again, maybe the cardboard coaches are problem part of the problem because we talk so much about real issues that people make everything an issue. So they think if someone there's something uh, a scheme going on. If someone has a one of one like the logo man that doesn't get a grade on it, I understand. I like man, you know me. I want to hate everyone involved in that logo man scenario, except for the guys that got it in the break. I don't know. Although I can also hate them because they're 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 the type of person that hangs out with the backyard breakers. Yeah. So I can have strong opinions about every person along for that sure. line. For sure. And believe me, I want to shit all over them. But then we'd have a, it'd be a really long life. No one would listen, you know, but like I'm not going to shit on them. I'm, 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 I'm going to stop myself. Yeah. 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 And of I'm course. Put myself in their position and say, I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. I would have looked at that card. It's got a messed up window. Why distract from what it is by putting a grade on it? You just buy the card, will, you know, and that will, the, the whole yeah. conversation will be about it being a PSA six. Yeah. Come on. I agree this with is, you. I agree. I agree with you. To me, yeah, it's yeah. logical. Yeah. Uh, I have sent in my first sub submission where I'm not going to get a grade on the cardboard. So you're probably familiar with some of these uh, cards that I sent in, Brendan. Yeah. Basically, I was looking through my collection, my PC. And by the way, PCs can become sales very quickly. Yes. But for now, they're PC. I'm looking through my PC. And I'm like, you know what? Dang. I have some gorgeous autographs. And I want to focus on the autograph. I'm telling you right now, the, the three cards that I sent in would be prob would probably come back a nine. Um, with the luck that I've had, they probably would guarantee there might, might be one or two with an outside shot of a 10. Um, now, if I really felt that in my heart, I would have gone ahead and gone and for the great. You would have gone the double. You would have gone the double. I wanted to focus on yeah. the autograph. So I'm about to get some labels back that are gonna that are gonna say authentic with a grade for the autograph. Now I hope it's a 10. I sent the three in because they were clean autographs. One of them is that Luka Doncic. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, like that one's a tough one to tell because I believe that's 130 to 180 point. It looks pretty good to me. One of the eight corners slightly. Yeah. Now, my first thought was send it in a Beckett because it looked like a 9.5 to me. And so that's, and that's where this whole thing comes from is the fact that like that Trevor Lawrence, like, I mean, thicker card, you know, you're kind of question one corner, maybe yeah. surface, you're like, throw it, throw it to Beckett, which most yeah. people do for thicker cards. Right. Right. Yeah. So, but I look for whatever reason, I'm really into the PSA label. That wasn't who I was a couple of years ago. Yeah. I'm I remember, it. I remember, I remember when I, when I jumped in and I, and, and you're like, no, 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 we're still like, I, you know, you respected PSA, but you were still like, PCing yeah. Beckett, like you were like, you wanted to send stuff to Beckett. You know what I mean? Well, it was very ingrained in the hockey hobby. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, nonetheless, I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting these cards back. I hope they're 10 autographs because that's what I want the main focus to be. There's a Gretzky, there's a Doncic, and there's a Stompin' Tom Connors, which I'm sure many people don't care about. Yeah. But the point is, um, 
there will be a group of people who will be like, oh, cartel did something here. The card's damaged. You know what? Use your own eyes. I, I provide really clear scans when I, when I post a, an auction. I'm known for my horrible pictures on Instagram, but um, use your own eyes, right? And, and then hold it in your hand and you'll see these cards that I sent in are very high quality. I just didn't want a, a grade on the cardboard. I wanted the focus to be on the autograph. And you see a lot of collectors doing this lately. I think this comes from a desire. First of all, it comes from so much accessibility to grading. Yes. And, and so because of that, people see a card that's like a lesser grade, like an eight or a six or whatever, or, you know, in your case, an A with a 10, let's say, and they think, can I upgrade this, right? Like by cracking it out. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Possibly, they like yeah. Because I, I actually think the same thing. Like, I mean, I catch myself doing it sometimes. If I see a card that's like a lesser grade, I'm like, Looking at it, I'm like, can it, does this have a shot at upgrading? You know what I mean? Whether that be, I mean, I've gone through my cards. Like it must've yeah. been like a week ago. And I was looking, I'm like, okay, you know, this, this B, PSA nine, does it have a shot at like a BGS nine five? You know what I mean? Like I've yet to do it, but like, you definitely wonder because the price difference between, you know, sometimes a PSA nine and a BGS nine five is pretty significant in some cases. Uh, you know, I'm talking about like the OV. The, the difference between a PSA 9 and a BGS 9.5 is very different. I mean, it's like probably 1.3 between, yeah. between 1.3 and 1.5 times. So, um, so I guess the idea is if there's no grade, you don't have a guide to help you out kind of thing. I don't know, I guess. Um, now, without, I don't want to get too specific here, but you and I, there's anecdotes, right? Um, there was a certain OV card. We'll let people figure this out, piece it together from a couple expos back that ended up on a YouTube video. Do you remember? I believe it only said authentic. Was there a grade on the on the autograph? Do you remember? Without know. without without talking about the owners, I don't remember. But it said authentic, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I believe it was an OV. I don't want to give too many. It was it, it was it was it was slabbed authentic. Uh, and uh, it was a popular card. And uh, you know, come to find out that, that there were some issues with the card. But again, use your own eyes. It's look. At the end of the day, your your only protection. I think it was is, just slabbed authentic. I think it was. It was just slabbed authentic, right? So yeah. So although although I'm pretty sure if the autograph is graded, it would have been a high grade on the autograph. Um, but so you know, guys, use your eyes, your ears, your. Yeah. By the way, when I say use your eyes, use your eyes on the card. Use your eyes on the dealer. Listen to what people are saying. I don't know. I can't, I can't train someone to be intuitive and, uh, and, but, but we can talk about all these elements. We can talk yeah. about it and help people that way. Um, you know, even if a card's a PSA 10, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And I hope you answer positively here. You're still going to look at it, right, Brendan? You're still going to yeah, look yeah, yeah, at yeah. the card. Yeah, even yeah. though PSA has deemed it a gem mint 10. Yeah. 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 I'm still going to look at it. I've, yeah. I've looked at a McDavid BGS 9.5 and said, no, thanks looks like crud <laughs> and, that, and that. that wasn't just because you thought about cracking it out <laughs> yeah no that was just literally i'm looking at crud why is it i don't care what slab yeah. i don't care if it's a gold label or purple yeah i don't want it yeah you can have it you figure it out yeah um that's a thing so look personal preference um value i understand value right what would my Doncic value be with a 
eight or a nine versus no grade, but yeah. the autographs at 10, I hope. Um, it, will it still be desirable? Yes. It's probably does, more desirable. I would argue more desirable with an what authentic. Does the visual of that slab do? I would argue it's more desirable as an authentic with the tent. I, and I don't know if that's, there and it's go. just because there's nothing else on there that's like lower than the 10. And this isn't from me, but it, this is like the PSA 10 simping at its finest, right? Like there's a real right. big difference between a nine, five and a 10. There isn't, but yeah. you know, it's that, that whole number, you know, that like perfect 10 and that's all that's represented on that slab. I, yeah, I'm not going to lie. That's a part of it. I didn't touch on yet is the visual. There's a 10 on the card. There's no nine or an eight. And there's nothing else on it. Yeah. Pretty nice. Now I'm not doing that to deceive anyone. Oh. Uh, Simon Slabbed, our oh. buddy Dave with the hair. Yeah. As I call him, he has a nice little guide on his feed, right? About the card grade and authentication and the autograph grade and authentication. People have been confused. I personally think you'd be a dum-dum, but let's say you are a dum-dum. And you didn't figure it out and you get mad. Well, go to Signed and Slab's feed and figure it out. Maybe do some Googling. Get on the Tiki Talk? I don't know. Uh, yeah, and I guess so. And, and figure it out. Edumacation at its finest. Yes. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We talked about a lot of controversial things. Um, if, if, if not controversial, at the very least, thought-provoking things. And that's ultimately what we want to do. We want to, we want to encourage discussion. Again, it doesn't, doesn't have to be just here. It can be with, uh, with your friends. It can be with the rest of the hobby. You know, this is what keeps the hobby being so entertaining. This is what keeps the hobby inclusive. This, the, the, these ideas where we're able to share feelings and uh, hopefully have open dialogue. And that's what it's all about, in my opinion. Tell us, tell us what you think. Star card or FLIR card to grade uh, on the label or not to grade on the label. Lareda's left butt cheek or right butt cheek. These are the questions we're asking. We want to hear from the people. Love it. Because we're for the people. Always. Is that what Backyard Break says? We're for the people? Or I don't, I don't even, I don't, I wouldn't even. We'll take our shirts off if enough people get involved. I wouldn't even pretend to know. Team, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Cardboard coaches are out of here. Peace.